Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast, where we help you to build a life of purpose and joy. Our aim is to encourage your hope in the future and strengthen your confidence. I'm your host, Julie Clough, life coach and certified grief recovery specialist. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 46, Finding Answers with Heidi Swap. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Heidi Swap. You're going to hear the interview that I did with her. She is a crafter extraordinaire. She has products in stores around the country and online at HeidiSwap.com. But in July of 2015, Heidi and her family were devastated by the death of her son, Corey, to suicide. Because of Heidi's business, she found herself facing heartbreaking grief in the public eye. She has handled this unexpected tragedy with unimaginable grace. Heidi and her husband made the brave decision to be totally honest about what happened and how it has affected their life. As a result, she's been an example of resilience in challenging circumstances. In March 2018, Heidi and licensed therapist David Kozlowski launched a podcast for people to build their relationships, Light the Fight. The Light the Fight podcast helps parents learn how to build, maintain, and improve their family relationships with actionable tools to help navigate difficult situations. That's from their website. I admire Heidi's genuine heart and her ability to touch the masses with her honest reflection and her unwavering commitment to bring light to the world. I hope you will enjoy this Tinder interview. I am so excited to have Heidi Swap with me today. She's going to tell us a little bit about her story. And I, I want to introduce her first. You know Heidi if you've been in Michael's or Joann's. Her products are everywhere. You, her signature handwriting. And I've known about Heidi for a long time because of my own interest in the crafting world. And I've had a lot of fun with her products. In fact, one of my very first mixed media pieces has one of your, one of your, I don't even know what you call it. It was like a screen thing. Okay. Yeah. Dream Mm -hmm. out loud in it. Okay. Yeah. That was the title of my piece. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) That's awesome. But Heidi, tell us a little bit about your family and a little bit about yourself, and then we'll go from there. I am a, a busy, busy mom of five kids. Um, my oldest son is 21 years old, and my youngest son is 11. So I kind of have this 10-year, um, decade span of my children. And my husband and I will, will be celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary this year. So... <clears throat> we're pretty proud of ourselves. <laughs> pretty huge accomplishment. And we've kind of, we live in Utah now. In fact, I live really close to you, Julie. And um, we have lived in a lot of places. We've lived in Canada. We've lived in Arizona. We spent some time overseas in Beijing. And then we've been back here in Utah, I would say about 12 years now, which gosh, time has gone by kind of fast. And, you know, we love it here. I have, you know, my daughter who just graduated from high school and, you know, it's just, it's busy. 
And um, as like you mentioned, I do have a craft business and it's really been, I've been doing it. I've been, I've been doing my little, my little crafting for about 18 years. And um, that's not, it's not something that I ever really intended to do. It was kind of that story of when your hobby becomes your business type thing. And so I feel really blessed. I've worked with amazing people. And I think that I have really learned how to maximize my strengths and find really great people who can help me in the areas that I don't do really well in. But, you know, having a creative business, um, I, I always take on too much. I always wait till the last minute. I'm always in over my head. You know, I just, I'm not one of those regimented organized people. I kind of take it as it comes. That's kind of how I roll. (laughs) Well, you've done it really well because from the outside, it looks pretty amazing. It looks amazing. And so, and we we appreciate what you do because you bring a lot of happiness to a lot of people because of amazing products and the memories that you've, that you've encouraged people to keep. Absolutely. And I do feel just very, very passionate about um, telling your story about documenting your life about collecting memories and and it really plays a big part in in what we're going to talk about here tonight which is kind of an interesting element of my story for sure yeah for sure and you know Heidi I I actually found out about your loss just because I was a fan of yours and I I knew people because I because I was interested in that, in that, in the crafting world and so forth. And so the, the announcement about your son's passing, it's been almost four years. Is that right? Four years next month. Yep. I I learned about that through social media, through, through this, this business that you've created. And I can't imagine what that's been like for you. Tell us a little bit about Corey. Well, when Corey passed away, he was 16 years old. He, he really, he turned 16 in April and, and he passed away in July. And, um, you know, he's my second oldest. He's my second oldest child. And my first two kids came real close, really close together. And they were both boys. Um, and he just was, you know, I, I'm always really intrigued with that birth order thing. And I felt like my kids really fell into that. Um, He was just kind of that easygoing, ready for anything, charming, caring, just loved people. was a people pleaser. It was very easy for him to make friends, very easy for him to connect with people. And he just kind of was was easy. He ate anything that I gave him. <laughs> he was happy with any thing you would, you would have. If, if he didn't have something to play with, he found something to play with. You know, he's just a really easy, easy going, fun, loving, wonderful kid. He had a million friends. I, I think everybody, the thing that I learned after he passed away is literally everybody that knew him felt like they were his best friend. Mm. which I think is such a great legacy. 
you know, an amazing quality to have. Yeah. So he was also very, very concerned about, about me always, um, very sensitive to what was going on and always looking for a way to help me out or to lighten my load. So I, he's just a really sensitive kid mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and super funny. Yeah. He, and, but he didn't, he didn't ever need attention on him. He just kind of like slid the funny things and it, you know, it was just not attention seeking, but very much you noticed him because he was just fun and and lively. So just, he had a great, a great presence about him. Yeah. His, his death must have come as a unbelievable shock to you and your family. It, it really, really, really did. And as I look back on it, the things that I've learned more about, I mean, you know, we, we should probably just get it out there in the open. Um, Corey passed away from suicide. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I would definitely not consider myself any level of expert on depression or anxiety or mental health in general. And Corey was not like if I thought about like textbook depression, that would be like somebody laying in bed all the time and not motivated, not functioning. And, and then if I think about like anxiety in my mind, that was somebody who couldn't go outside or couldn't talk to people in a crowd or couldn't stand up in front of any, you know, like I had these stereotypes of what this looked like. And Corey didn't fit any of those stereotypes that I had in my mind. I really, really, and and my personality is just like, when you deal with it, we, when it comes, you deal with it. And I don't do a lot of overthinking about what if this and what if that and planning for it. And, and so I think that when Corey was dealing with depression and he was unhappy. He was, he seemed agitated. And and so like one minute he would be mad and angry and isolating himself. And then the next minute he wanted a grilled cheese and he sit down and he's cracking jokes. And so, so very much just felt honestly, all the administrators and all the people that I took him to see doctors, everybody just said, he's gone through puberty. He's an adolescent boy. He's a 14 year old boy was. So it really kind of started its uptick about two years before he passed away. And he was never like constantly sad or constantly anxious, but there were some other signs. His grades plummeted. He his willingness to participate at church and just go along with what was, what everybody was doing changed. And also I will say his agitation. He, like if, if you were tapping your pencil or if if somebody's doing something annoying, it just 
agitated me. He, he wound up kind of with this real short fuse. Now, also teenage boy, right? Like these are, these are things that I think everybody kind of was telling me should be expected. And as his mom, I was concerned because this didn't, because it, it wasn't like the Corey that I knew, but I kind of just thought, you know what? We're going to work through it. And we got in therapy and we talked about it. We took him to a couple different specialists. We would try trying to get him more sleep and trying to eat better, you know, different things. And um, so I will say this, I will say that in the situation I did what I felt like I knew, which was very little compared to what I know now and how I feel about it now. I did the best that I, that I could. And I did what I knew at, at the time. And there are some other elements, and I do like to share this. Um, Corey had a, a traumatic brain injury, and that happened right around the time he turned 14. And when that happened, he, he had a really bad concussion. So we kept him out of sports and we did all the rest and we did what we thought we should do. And going forward, I just never really, I didn't really know that traumatic brain injuries led to depression and anxiety or struggle with attention or processing. So, you know, I do like to share that piece of the puzzle. Every suicide is complicated. There's not one thing, but I will tell you, I was not like, I, it was not in my mind. I was not thinking, oh, what if he takes his life? I, I, that was not even on my radar. Right. Um, and so when that happened, it was devastating. Yeah. And I, and I'm, I'm going to share this just because I think that this is a grief. I know that the topic here is grief. And, and I think that this is, it's kind of interesting going into right after it happened, right around that same time, there was a couple other young people in our area who passed away from some different circumstances, not suicide, but different circumstances. And I found myself feeling jealous that he hadn't died in an accident because Mm -hmm. I was so mortified and I hated that he made that decision. And I was so like, it was so hard for me to talk to other moms who had lost because um, I'm, I, it felt heavier, mm-hmm. it felt harder. And so at, at that point, early on, it didn't bring me comfort to talk to other people that were dealing with loss. And as I kind of started crawling out of that place, I started having conversations with some of these moms. And I found out that having a child, like no matter what the cause of the death was or the reason for the loss, you feel the same. You hate it and you feel guilt and you feel shame and you wish you could have 
changed it or fixed it or altered that? What is that one piece in history that would have altered that outcome? And um, it became very important for me to understand and, and stop comparing. <laughs> That's probably, I've talked about a lot, um, that grief and loss is not a competition. You, you know, it, Absolutely. it is, it is a, a hard story and um, devastated our, our family. Yeah. And you, and you were in a, such a unique situation because I, I know with my own loss, just, just getting back into the public was super, super hard. And for you, because you had this huge following, it, it was even, I mean, I just can't even imagine. I can't even imagine what that was like for you. You know, what, what I will say about that is that I think something really important happened in the very beginning that I'm really thankful for. And um, I was very, to be completely honest, I was so ashamed and embarrassed that my son had taken his life. Like it was the ultimate, like not only had I lost him, but I was just horrified that this was the circumstance and and that my one job as a mom to keep my kids safe, I hadn't been able to do, you, you know? So like, um, and in the first 24 hours, my husband was out of town when it happened. And so he was making his way back in town. And in that first 24 hours, no kidding. I played every scenario in my head of stories that I could tell that would be reasonably believing and would not be as mortifying to say out loud. It took me a long time to be able to even say out loud what Corey had done. And when my husband finally arrived and we, we were trying to decide how to, how to handle it and how to talk about it. And we made the decision that we were just going to be really honest about it. And I remember just, I, I have vivid memories of that very first moment when I, when I had to share this story with these people who had followed me since Corey was born. I taught my first scrapbooking class when I was pregnant with Corey. Wow. And so his, I'd really documented this kid. People knew him and about him. And when, when I made that decision, I, I pressed publish 100% believing that people were going to come back and say, you are a terrible mother. Wow. What is going on in your household? How could you let this happen? Because that's what I was telling myself. And the opposite happened. And honestly, um, immediately people were reaching out with their stories of suicide. Um, and it, 
it took me a long time to start reading messages and but the support from my community because i was able to be open and i also want to say that i had the luxury of being open mm. and it is a luxury because there's a lot of things that go wrong a lot of trauma that happened to people that they cannot be open about mm. and the fact that cory was gone and um i got to be the owner of that story by myself like i didn't have a co-owner in cory like i don't know if that makes sense mhm sharing that story and talking about that story opened me up for people to be able to support me and i could know i could feel the prayers and i could feel the love pouring in and i think it was a game changer for me and then reading people's stories like in the very beginning tons of people would give me books mhm and i don't like i'm not a reader i i'm practically illiterate like i don't read <laughs> like i don't enjoy books and i no kidding had this stack of like 15 books about dead kids and i just like i just thought oh my gosh nobody give me a calvin and hobbs book i don't know don't <laughs> i cannot read about one more dead kid you know like it was so overwhelming to me but when i was getting these little stories super personal stories about people who had lost a child or lost a parent or they themselves actually the most powerful comforting enlightening stories were the people who told me about their experience in a suicidal place mm. um because i was left with so many questions it was so helpful for me and these stories have a very a very common thread in a suicidal person that i just didn't even know so i will say that for me opening up and being honest was the greatest gift yeah there's a there's a super important lesson in that and 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 you've you've taught it beautifully and that is you know when we're open we're open for support and when we can own our story there's healing in owning our story there is there is and and that doesn't mean you have to like your story mm -mm. and this is something that i've thought about a lot and i really feel like a lot of whether it's grieving whether it's mental health whether it's relationship the health and the quality of your relationship so important to own your story for just that reason number 1 someone can can be there for you but i kept on thinking to myself i hate this story and there was no way for me to rebrand it or create a different narrative for it and i remember when somebody else said to me you don't have to like this but you have to do this meaning that i couldn't change the story 
And so I think that that really helped me be an owner to this story because, you know, there's a lot of us who have things going on in our lives or things happen to us that we don't love. We don't like it, but hiding from it or pretending like it's not there doesn't, doesn't help. Yeah. So what other things do you think helped you in your own grief? Well, I will tell you that somebody, and now I can't even remember. I think that it was pretty early on and somebody explained to me, and I might've even read it on the internet for whatever reason. I don't remember what the source was. I should probably ask my husband, but I learned through some source that the best, most important way to overcome grief or to deal with grief is to do the things you enjoy. Mm. And I honestly could not do one thing that I enjoyed. I couldn't think of anything that I enjoyed. That was the absolute last thing that I could do. I was so unhappy and all the things that I enjoyed, like I could, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. My husband and I like, so I'm in this situation where I'm the mom and I've got these family members and everybody's having a grief cycle. That's a little bit different. And I like to explain it like circles. So like my youngest kind of had like a golf ball sized grief. And so it would, kind of come around pretty quick, but it didn't last very long. And it wasn't super intense, right? But there were other kids that had these really large grief cycles and they were really dramatic. And and when they would swing, it would just like roll over, take us all out, you, you know? And I really, in the beginning, I really felt like I had to keep my emotions in check because everybody's emotions were so... Like we were such a mess. So my husband is really the fun guy in our family. He's always been the fun one and I've always been the not fun one. (laughs) And um, he was really, so, so for me going to work was the thing that distracted me or the thing that, that I turned to. I just went back to work. I kept trying to work. But my husband needed fun. That was the thing that he enjoyed was fun. I enjoyed work. He enjoyed fun. And so he made this decision to buy a motorcycle. And he wanted to connect with my sons in a different way that they'd never really connected with Corey. But Corey always wished we had motorcycles. And so it was kind of like this redemption, you you know? And so he went and bought a motorcycle and then bought the motorcycles for my sons. And they started riding motorcycles together. And I, I will say, you know, it's been four years and my husband's kind of evolved in the types of motorcycles and now he's got a big trailer and now my garage looks like a motorcycle shop. But 
Eric, my husband, found this posse of guys who love to ride motorcycles. And he found that by going motorcycling with the guys and, and being in the car on the way to where you went and then on the way back, he was finding connection in those spaces yeah. and having a great time and finding an outlet. And I, no joke, motorcycling has been a healing path for my husband. And I am so grateful because I could not have done that for, for him. He had to, he had to find it himself and he had to go after it and be interested in it. And, and, and he lost himself in it, you know, but, um, I really love that. Yeah. And you were, and you supported him in doing it. And and I love, I loved it. Awesome. Yeah. I loved that there was something that I wasn't having to do too. Like I, I felt this responsibility to help everybody. And I was so thankful that he found some joy and connection in that. Where did you find your connection? You know, that's a, that's a really tough question because it wasn't, it wasn't easy as easy for me. I didn't want to go do something. I didn't want to, be with friends. I didn't want to find a hobby. I didn't, you know, and I already, um, felt super overwhelmed with work. And I started my, my health started to struggle. Meaning I started to, well, I never have taken very good care of my health, but (laughs) my health wasn't like my energy, my eating was bad. My sleeping was bad. I just knew, and I, you know, I didn't care that much. Yeah. Um, I started to, I really delved into my questions about, I wanted to know what I did wrong. And when I say that, when I make that statement, everybody comes at me and says, you did nothing wrong. You did the best you could. You loved him. You were a great mom. And I appreciate that. And people can say that all day, but I feel like I failed. I, and I'm still, and I still believe that I could have done better, but there's no way that I could have done better because I just didn't know. There's certain yeah. things you have to learn. The hard way, I guess, you know, but, um, so I delved into trying to understand and trying to work through all of my questions and trying to understand depression, anxiety, suicide, relationships. And so I started to work really closely with, um, a family therapist that was working with Corey and we weren't he wasn't my counselor. So he likes to call it coaching. I don't know the differences, but we didn't really like, it wasn't a lot of like in room sessions. It was more like we would kind of meet up for lunch and we would kind of, he was teaching me. I wasn't going and giving him, he, he just kept on teaching me things and I would have so many questions and I'd come to him with a question 
And then he would teach me. And I, so many light bulbs were going off for me. And I just couldn't believe that I didn't know these things. Like in a lot of these relationship conversations or parenting conversations or connection conversations, like I just was learning things that I really was bummed that I didn't know that I thought made so much sense. Like I can't believe I didn't know this before. Mm-hmm. And so I will tell you that I spent two years just peppering this guy with questions. I spent like every day I would have messages in my inbox of people, moms struggling with kids and asking me for advice. And I would be like writing back saying, hello, I just lost my kid. You want, you don't want advice from me. That must've been so overwhelming for you. I can't imagine. I couldn't believe that anybody would think that I would be able to help because I was such a failure. Well, and, and, and I don't see it that way, but, but just knowing how difficult grief is all by itself and then to be put in that position where people are coming to you for answers, I just, that just sounds just overwhelming. But, but they're, the things they were asking me or the things that they were presenting to me was helping me build my questions and ask really good Clarify questions. what your questions were, yeah. And um, after two years, I felt like I had such important information and I, I wanted to shout it from the rooftops. I wanted every single parent to understand what I didn't know. Like I have like this, what I wish I would have known and sit down and let me blast you for a hundred hours. Right? Like, so my healing, and I'm not going to tell you that I'm healed (laughs) and, and that the grief is gone, but my healing and, and true joy comes in me sharing what I have learned and hopefully the message that I can share on, on my podcast in speaking engagements in my Instagram, wherever I just hope that I can share something that has some value and that helps. Yeah. And I think this is the perfect time to talk about your podcast, Light the Fight, right? Um, yeah. That, and you do that with a co-host, which yes. is the therapist that you're talking about. Re- remind yes. me his name again. So his name is David Kozlowski. David. Kozlowski. Mm-hmm. And um, David is a marriage and family therapist. And when I found David and took Corey, I think it was our third therapist that we tried. And Corey immediately connected with him, loved him. Uh Just like all teenagers love him. Mm -hmm. He just has this magnetism and this cool factor and he can relate with every and anything. He's amazing. 
And I really dropped him off. I really would drop off Corey and just think, okay, fix him. Mm. And then I'll pick him up. You know, I just really wanted someone to fix him because I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to help him. And um, what I learned <laughs> and what my podcast is about is that it's not about fixing someone else. It's about fixing ourselves and changing ourselves, changing the way that we relate with people, the way we connect, the way we offer ourselves up in our relationships. And that's really what Like the Fight is about. Um, The very first time that I met with David after Corey died at a pizza place with our family, he taught me the difference between shame and guilt. And you know what? I was a 44-year-old human that did not know the difference between shame and guilt. And it was, like I said, such a light bulb moment that I was like, I wish that I could teach that to Corey right now. I wish that he would understand that. Um, And he taught me very clearly that day. And this was in me processing, like, how am I going to tell this story? And People are asking me questions and how do I talk about this? And, and he taught me how shame breeds in the dark and that when we shine a light on it, it kills its power. And that's where the name was born that day. Light's a fight. I believe it is a fight. And the more light that we can put on it and expose it and help to understand and educate it, then the less power it will have. And so um, it took, I mean, we've been doing the podcast for just a little over a year. So it took me a a solid two and a half years to get to a place where I felt like I could talk. And I still felt so inadequate to teach. Um, because I still felt like I had lost my kid. Um, but I knew that I was learning things that I think would have saved him. And you, and obviously I don't know that, but. And you're a powerful I, messenger. You're a powerful messenger. And, and I, and I, I think you feel that mission that you're on to to help others to to kind of figure it out and yeah you have a slogan i know i've seen it on hats and different things you have at events and 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 what is it don't don't freak out don't freak out yeah don't freak out and and i tell people the number one thing if you do nothing else if you don't exercise any other tool if you don't learn any other thing don't freak out and um, I am the all-time world's best freak router. <laughs> I think so. we can all appreciate that <laughs> as moms. We can all appreciate yeah. those moments of freak out. Yeah. So that's that's really good. One of the things that I have admired uh, about what you do is that the way you celebrate Corey and and the way that you, I mean, just birthdays and and different family things that happen and you really, you really celebrate Corey. And I, I really appreciate that. I think that's, 
that's, that's an area where I could use some work. So I would love for you to kind of share with us some ways that you have celebrated Corey. You know, that's, it's such an important thing. And for me, I believe, so my belief system is that I'm still parenting Corey. Mm-hmm. Wherever he is and whatever he's doing, I believe he's aware of me. And I believe he's still learning from me and watching me. And so the way I conduct myself, I do with the thought that he's, he's watching. And, um, sorry, I, Corey, um, loved wolves. Wolves were his thing and he would wear like these wolf t-shirts and, um, so immediately like the wolf and, and also his skate high vans, his skater, um, those became symbols of Corey. And, you know, even at the viewing, at Corey's viewing, we all wore these animal shirts that Corey loved. And, um, we all went out, our whole family bought skate high vans that day. And, I mean, I can tell you that if Corey was alive, he would like not be okay with me wearing skate high pants. You know, he'd be like, Mom, get those off your body right now. You're old. But for me, wearing skate high pants and animal shirts and repping him in that way was, I guess, my way of keeping him close and keeping him alive. Or being connected, staying connected with him. Um, I wanted him to see me honor him. Because I, because this was a tough situation, a tough circumstance that I know that wherever he is, I'm sure he knows that, that that hurt me that his decision. And so I think that he and I are still working through that, Mm -hmm. you know, him and all of us. Right. But, um, I want him to know that we love him and honor him and no, no matter what. And so we have tried, um, to do Corey loved fun. And so we try to do something fun when it's his birthday, um, or even his death day. And, um, I have, one of the things that I really loved that brought me a lot of comfort was that we wrote, I invited everybody to come over and write on the sidewalk, um, so that like Corey could see the messages from heaven basically. Um, and, and our whole house, our whole front yard, our walks were all covered with messages for Corey. And I had just left like, um, chalk on out, outside and, and people, saw it and came by and it meant the world to me. It it meant the world to me. Um, you know, we, we kind of go and buy 
animal shirts and we eat Corey food and talk about Corey. And I, I, I want to make sure that it's never a taboo subject, any portion of it. I don't want it to feel taboo. And so I think that talking about it, creating one, one of the things that I really love to do, I hated I hated that when he passed away and we went to the mortuary, they thought that I was going to pick a, a headstone. Mm. I was so offended that they thought that I could just pick it. And I was really struggling with that. And it took me three years, just over three years to make a decision. And so it was hard for my kids because we would go to the cemetery, but there was nothing there. And they were frustrated with me and I was frustrated with me. But when I finally picked it and I finally found someplace that could do what I wanted, I really, I really love it. And I really feel like it honors him. And um, we kind of make signs and, and things. And I don't like to go to the cemetery very much. I don't like, it's not a regular visit for me, but when we go, it makes me feel good to, to honor that place. Yeah. Well, and I, and I, I appreciate that because I think that's the experience for a lot of people is that it, it does take some time to make a decision about something that's so permanent that represents, re- represents somebody that's so important to you. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just wondering, is there any, any other parting, parting advice that you would give to a mom that's lost a child or, or anyone else that's going through grief right now? You know, I will say that the way that I described grief, the way that it made sense to me is that it felt like I was holding a boulder and it made everything harder, everything that I had to do harder. Cause I was, cause it was heavy and I was tired, but I, but I couldn't put it down, but it made like, I couldn't craft cause I was holding the boulder and I couldn't make dinner for my family cause I was holding the boulder and I couldn't take care of myself cause I was holding the boulder. And I felt like the grief made the things that I, that I suck at made me suck at it even more. Like it's already hard for me to, to cook for my family, but sitting at the table with an empty spot was the absolute worst, you know, like I I couldn't do it. Um, getting places on time. I could not do it. Um, and so what I think is interesting is that that grief boulder hasn't gone away, but I have learned how to set it down sometimes. And some days I just, I got to just pick it up. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, even just yesterday, and mind you, it's been four years. And the way that I finally think that I can describe it is that it's a time warp and it, you know, it's been four years, 
but it also feels like right now, like right now, Corey's gone. It doesn't feel like four years ago. It just feels like right now. And even just yesterday, I woke up and I just felt horrible. And I thought, I don't know what it is. But yesterday, I needed to pick up the rock. And I needed to let myself feel all those feelings. Mm -hmm. And I had a hard time making dinner. And I had a hard time getting myself going. And I carried that rock with me all day yesterday. And today I felt a little bit different. I didn't, I didn't carry, I didn't carry the rock today. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that I don't, I don't know if maybe it will get smaller or I, I won't need to carry it. But I think that if you feel like you need to carry it, carry it. Mm. And if you can give yourself a break to set it down. Know that that doesn't mean you have to like kick it to the curb or roll it down the hill or throw it off your cliff. You can keep it in a safe place because it does represent your bro a broken, a sad, a loss, a love. And um, I am thankful that I'm functioning a little bit better. Um, <laughs> this is interesting and I'm probably crazy and that's okay. But I, I would think to myself like, okay, I don't have a Corey here to give him a gift for Christmas or for his birthday. And you know, you're a mom. And so you want to make that day special and you want to give them a gift. And I then made the decision that I wanted to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. Because in some weird cosmic way, I knew he wanted me to take care of myself. I knew that he didn't want to be the, the reason that I was letting myself fall apart. And, and so as the holidays have come, and I kind of find myself like pondering what I can do for Corey, what I can give to him. I try to find ways to honor him by taking care of myself. And I know that probably sounds weird. Not at all. I don't ever want him to be sitting wherever he sits or looks and think it's my fault that my mom can't get up or do the things that she is here to do. Um, I want him to know I'm okay. So that's one way that I connect with him as well. You know, that uh, that's just so beautiful. I mean, it's something we talk about a lot is the need to be patient with ourselves. And I loved your description of the grief as a boulder. I mean, that's just so perfect. And so often people pick up that boulder and they, they learn that they have to create some space. They have to create some space for that grief and for that, for that boulder, like you said. And, and honoring Corey by taking care of yourself is beautiful. It's, it's, it's beautiful because, you know, our, the person that we lost, you know, you lost, you lost Corey, which was horrific. But Corey is not 
just those last, that last day of his life. He is the whole culmination of all the years that he spent here and all the years that you're spending with him in this different way. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing to honor him that way. I'm sure he's like, mom, you could be doing better. <laughs> mom, stop drinking so much Diet Coke. He'd probably say that. But. <laughs> um, I, I think that it's helped me to not remove him from my, my little squad. I still feel responsible for him and I still feel like I need to be an example for him as I do for my other children. And I feel like it's really important that also, you know, as I, Corey's one of my five kids that none of my kids feel like Corey's more important because he's gone or so important that maybe I loved him more or that he gets more of my attention because grief is a demanding emotion. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so that's, that's another complication for moms, but yeah. Um, And we do have to give ourselves a little, a little patience in that category as well. Don't we? I, I just, I just cannot thank you enough for, because I know you do this quite frequently. You share your story in hopes of, of providing hope for other people, of providing education to other people. And it's, I, I just, I just can't thank you enough for, cause I, I know it's not easy. I, I know it's not, <laughs> and you do it in such a beautiful way. You're just, you're so real and so vulnerable and it's just, it's just beautiful to talk to you. Well, I, I appreciate you. I will admit that all day I've thought, thought oh gosh, I got to talk about my grief. <laughs> <sighs> and, um, my, I do hold my grief very close and I try to honor my grieving, but I also don't want it to be in charge. Yeah. Um, some days it is, <laughs> uh, but I appreciate you and I appreciate your efforts. And I know that there's, you know, in the very beginning, nobody said to me, I mean, everybody would say, there's no right way to do this. There's no right way. And you know what? I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that nobody expected me to be or act or or do this. I I love that there was no rules. I love that because I don't, I'm not a rule follower anyway. (laughs) And so I loved being able to use my creativity to navigate through my feelings. And, um, and so I think that anybody who's listening, I, I just want you to know that, that you can do it your way. There's not a, there's not a rule. So don't, you know, don't read the 15 books and try to make it, you know, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't read any of the books. I probably, well, I don't know if I ever will. <laughs> and the other awesome thing is that not only did you honor your own grief and, and navigate it the way that felt right for you, but you also honored the rest of your family to do the same. 
which is huge because I mean, I think so often we look at our family members and they, we say, well, you know, they should be acting this way or they should be acting this way. Or why isn't he crying? Or why is he crying all the time? Or, that is so hard. Yes. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. So that it's beautiful that you have, you know, not only honored your own, but honored other people's as well, your family as well. Oh, so tell, tell, uh, tell everyone how they can, reach you, how they, how they can find you on, I know you're on everything. <laughs> I, I follow your everything. <laughs> <laughs> so the best way and probably, excuse me, probably the most present um, on Instagram. And I'm just at Heidi Swap on Instagram. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook and on Twitter. Same thing. Heidi Swap. Um, Heidi Swap.com is where like my products are. And also light the fight. I would love to encourage anybody that, I mean, we all just need to be better at, at relationships and it really is a relationship podcast. So it's called light, light the fight. And there that's on Instagram. It's on Facebook. It's on lightthefight.com. But it's just, it's a podcast and, and, you know, we don't, overproduce it it's pretty like it's pretty raw (laughs) but I think that that's um part of its charm so you can find me there too well thank you so much you're doing amazing work and I I I just know it's not easy I know it's not easy (laughs) I just want to I just want to send my heart to you across these airwaves here and and just send my love and my appreciation for you well, thank you very much. And I hope that you will keep doing this, keep helping people tell their stories, helping people process, helping people navigate it um, because it's needed. Yeah, thank you. Isn't Heidi such a beautiful person? She invites us in with her vulnerability and her tender heart. I just love her and appreciate all she's doing to help others strengthen their family relationships. Again, you can find Heidi at HeidiSwap.com and at LightTheFight.com. Also on Instagram and Facebook by the same names. All this will be in the show notes if you want the links. If you listened and enjoyed this episode, consider letting Heidi know on Instagram at HeidiSwap. All right. At Build a Life After Loss, we have two upcoming events I want to let you know know about. First, if you're in the Salt Lake City area, a new grief recovery group is starting September 10th in Sandy. I only do these twice a year, and the group is an action program designed to help you move beyond death, divorce, and any other loss you might have experienced, such as loss of health or career or faith. Again, this group is forming on September 10th in Sandy, Sandy, Utah. And for more information, send me an email at julie at buildalifeafterloss.com. The second upcoming event is our new online Build a Life After Loss support group which will launch in October. So get ready for that. We'll be diving in deeper with the things we discuss on the on the podcast so you can start applying what you're learning here and we'll be adding a time to answer we'll be adding time to answer your questions there as well. So I'm super excited about that. Again, have a wonderful week. Remember, I believe in you. I love you. Bye.